Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. You're listening to Newcastle Fast FM, sponsored by HM Residential, Hill Matheson, and Manjaro's Newcastle. Welcome to Reads, the show aimed at getting listeners interested in and into reading more. Our first revelation through the Prophet, peace be upon him, was to read. So let's read, think, and talk about books and sources of information and knowledge for the next hour. Remember that you can listen to us live or via recordings on Facebook and YouTube. My name is Hanat, and I'll be co-presenting today's read show with Amna. We also have Sister Aisha as our guest in the studio today. Today's topic on reads is about female issues and Islam. We're going to talk about various things ranging from our rights to our duties and what we can achieve as women in this dunya for our Akira. We'll be discussing sources from the Quran, books, websites, and webinars. So please send us your read suggestions on this topic of female issues and Islam throughout our show through the comment section. As usual, we'll be starting with the Quran, our most important book. Amna will be reading some relevant translated verses from the Quran, inshallah. Bismillah, Amna. Assalamualaikum. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, most merciful, I'll be reading from Surah um, Anisa, the woman, um, and that's the first ayah. Bismillah. O mankind, reverence your guardian Lord who created you from a single person, created of like nature, his mate, and from them twain scattered, like seeds, countless men and women. Reverence Allah through whom ye demand your mutual rights and reverence the womb that bore you for Allah even sorry, for Allah ever watches over you. So that was the first ayah from Surah Al Nisa. Um, I'll read the commentary now to give some context to that. So among the most wonderful mysteries of our nature is that of sex. The unregenerate sorry, the un Regenerate male is apt in the pride of his physical strength to forget the all-important part which the female plays in his very existence and in all the social relationships that arise in our collective human human lives. The mother that bore us must ever have our reverence. The wife that through whom we enter parent stage, um, parentage, sorry, must have our reverence. Sex which governs so much of our physical life and has so much influence on our emotions and higher nature deserves not our fear or our contempt or our amused indulgence but our reverence in the highest sense of the term. With this fitting introduction we enter a discussion of women, orphans and family relationships. That's um, the introduction to the surah there um, and that commentary was by Yusuf Ali. Um, I'm now going to read um, another surah, just bear with me. So that's Surah Al-Nur, The Light, and I will be reading Ayahs 21 to 26. Bismillah. O ye who believe, follow not Satan's footsteps. If any will follow the footsteps of Satan, he will but command what is shameful and wrong. And were it not for the grace and mercy of Allah on you, you know, not one of you would ever have been pure but Allah doth purify whom he pleases, and Allah is one who hears and knows all things. Let not those among you who who are endured with grace and amplitude of means resolve by oath against helping their kinsmen, 
those in want and those who have left their home homes in Allah's cause, let them forgive and overlook. Do not wish that Allah should forgive do you not wish that Allah should forgive you? For Allah is oft forgiven, most merciful. Those who slander chaste women in indiscreet but believing are cursed in the in this life and in the hereafter, for that for them it is a grievous penalty. On the day when their tongues, their hands and their feet will bear witness against them as to their actions. On that day, Allah will pay them all their just dues and they will realise that Allah is the very truth that makes all things manifest. Women impure are for, are for men impure and men impure for women impure and women of purity are for men of purity and men of purity are for women of purity. These are not affected by what people say, for them there is forgiveness and a provision honourable. So that was um, Surah Nur, um, and that's Ayahs 21 at 26. Um, and I will just read the commentary for the set of Ayahs that I have just recited there. So just bear with me, I'm reading off a PDF, so it's a bit difficult. Okay, spotless purity in thought, word and deed includes the disposition to put the best constructions on the motives of others so that we ascribe no evil motive to the seeming indiscreencies of virtuous people. Such a high, sorry, just bear with me. Such a high standard can only come by the grace of Allah who hears all prayers and knows all the temptations to which human nature is subject. His will and plan make both for spiritual protection and spiritual peace and we must place ourselves trustingly in his hands. Um, I'll continue with the ayahs and inshallah sister Hanat will read the commentaries for me there. Um, so I will now recite um, ayah 31 and 32 of the same surah. And say to the believing woman that they should lower their gaze and guard their modesty, that they should not display their beauty and ornaments except what must ordinarily appear thereof, that they should draw their veils over their bosoms and not display their beauty except to their husbands, their fathers, their husbands' fathers, their sons, their husbands' sons, their brothers, or their brothers' sons, or their sisters' sons, or their women, or their women, um, or the slaves whom the right hand possesses or male servant free of physical needs or small children who have no sense of the shame of sex and that they should not strike their feet in order to in order to draw attention to their hidden ornaments and all ye believers turn ye all together towards Allah and ye may attain bliss. Marry those among you who are single or the virtuous ones among yourselves male or female if they are in poverty Allah will give them means out of his grace for Allah encompasses all and his knowledge of all things. Um, so again, that was um, Surah An-Nur, Ayah 31, 32. Um, I'm going to pass on to Sister Hannah if she could kindly read the um, Yusuf Ali commentaries um, from where I left off. So that was... Um, Surah An-Nur 24, um, Ayahs 21 to 26, and 31 to 32. Please, Sister Hannah, if you don't mind. Inshallah. Jazakallah khairan. 
Assalamu alaikum to all our viewers that have just done, joined us. Uh, we received your salams. And yes, this ayah is very illuminating. Um, that comes from Jane. And in fact, we're going to go into it a little more by reading the commentaries. So uh, I have to mention before I go ahead that these ayahs are very popular ayahs. Uh, Surah An-Nisa deals with the women, that's chapter 4 of Quran. And Surah An-Nur, chapter 24 of the Quran, deals with the women as well. And we find here, in fact, due to all the verses that were um, related to the women and women female issues, that some of the uh, Sahaba at the time complained that it was like the religion suddenly became one of women. And, you know, they, they seem to have no important place in it. But continuing from the commentary, so the, that ayah, chapter uh, ayah 23 of chapter 24, when it says, um, and 22, when it says, let those among you endued with grace and amplitude of means not resolve against helping other men and those who slander chase indiscreet and believing, uh, indiscreet and believing women, those who do that, they were cursed in this life. Now, the commentary relates that this immediate reference was to Hadrat Abu Bakr, the father of Aisha, and her. Now, he was blessed with both spiritual grace from Allah and ample means. So basically, Abu Bakr was a rich man and he was Aisha's father. Now, he was always used in the service of Islam and the Muslims. But one of the slanderers um, of Hadrat Aisha turned out to be Mr., who was a cousin of Abu Bakr. So he's basically a relative of Aisha and Abu Bakr that had actually um, created this false lie against Aisha and her. And Abu Bakr had been in the, in the habit of supporting him financially. So Abu Bakr wished to stop that aid because of what he had done. But according to the highest standards of Muslim ethics, Abu Bakr was asked to forgive and forget through this ayah Allah revealed to the Prophet, and which Abu Bakr did. And it was with the happiest result to the peace and unity of the Muslim community. But the general application holds good for all time. A generous patron should not, in personal anger, withdraw his support, even for serious faults, if the delinquent repents and mends his ways. If Allah forgives us, who are we to refuse forgiveness of our fellows? Now, also in this commentary, it says that good women are sometimes indiscreet because they think no evil, but even such innocence indiscretion lands them and those who hold them dear into difficulties. Such was the case with Aisha Radiolo and her, she, she, she was in extreme pain and anguish for a whole month because of the slander spread about her. And her husband and her father were also placed in the most awkward predicament, considering their position and the great work in which they were engaged. But unprincipled people who start false slanders and their un unthinking tools will help in spreading such slanders. They are guilty of the gravest spiritual offense. And their worst punishment is the deprivation of Allah's grace which is the meaning of them being cursed. And we have to remember, the next commentary states that our own limbs, so our legs, our hands, our feet, our faculties, so our, our mouth in particular, they're going to be the strongest witnesses against us if we misuse them for evil, instead of using them for the good deeds for which we were given to use them for. Okay, so that's the commentary um, related to the ayahs uh, 22 to... Um, 23, uh, 24, sorry, um, we got, uh, from Surah An-Nur, chapter 24. Uh, the final commentary I'll be reading 
um, is related to the other ayah, chapter, uh, ayahs 30 and 31, uh, from the same chapter, Surah to Nur, that um, Amna has read, okay? And which was about lowering the gaze, being modest, and that the believing women should uh, not display their ornaments and they should cover themselves uh, and their bosoms, except to certain categories of people, you know? Um, so the commentary on that is that the rule of modesty applies to men as well as women. And a brazen stare at a man, uh, of a man, at a woman, or even at another man, is actually a breach of refined manners. Where sex is concerned, modesty is not only good, it is also to guard the weaker sex, so to speak, but also to guard the spiritual good of the stronger sex. So basically, um, you know, it's not just about protecting the women, men are actually protecting themselves, uh, when they lower their gaze, and women are also protecting themselves when they lower the gaze. So it's not just about or oh, one being of a weaker sex or a stronger sex. And the commentary continues as well, that the need for modesty is the same in both men and women, but on account of the differentiation in our natures, temperaments, and social life, a greater amount of privacy is required for women than for men, especially in the matter of dress and uncovering the bosom. Okay, so that's um, commentary on those ayahs. So alhamdulillah, that has been very insightful. And I think that's more than enough to actually discuss in the first few minutes of our show. Um, I'll go on to take comments from Sister Aisha and then we'll take comments from the audience. Sister Aisha, did you want to make any comments on the hadith and, um, sorry, on the ayahs of Quran that we have read so far? Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam to barakatuh. Please continue, sister. Uh, okay. Uh, khair for the ayahs from the Quran and the commentaries. Um, from the commentaries, uh, as Muslims, as Muslims, we are expected to to follow the details of Islam and the rules laid down by the Quran on addressing um that is modesty, and this modesty should apply to both our dressing, our behavior, our relationship with the people around us, our relationship with our spouses, our relationship with our children, and the outside non-Muslim community, so that it is important that they see this Islam in us. Because if we do exactly what the Quran has said, we should lower our gaze, it means we should have a decent control over what, how we look at people or how we gaze at people. So that, and in, in terms of dressing too, you discover that the dressing that has been recommended for the Muslim woman is actually for her protection. Because when she dresses very well, she earns respect even in the eyes of the non-Muslims. Because the moment they see you, they identify you as a Muslim through that dressing. And there is a certain amount of dignity and respect that comes with that. So it's very, very important and vital. And when we talk about this dressing of uh, the, the way we should dress as Muslim females, the most practical thing is, it, which varies from society to society, is to cover our nudity and our shapes and do not unnecessarily display our bosom. So it's very, very important and vital that we adhere to what Islam has provided for us because it's actually the best thing for us. Allah, who is all-knowing and all-seeing, knows that what he has recommended for us is for our safety, and it will also help in preserving our religion, 
preserving us as Muslims and preserving the Muslim Ummah, inshallah. We've lost Sister Hanat there for a second. Um, but Jazakallah Khair for your input there, Sister Aisha. We've got quite a few comments which are in agreement with you there. Um, so we'll just uh, run through those comments there. So we'll, we've got one from Jane over here. If they should not show their bosoms or ornaments to the Mahram was meant, then perhaps covering the face by pulling the veil over as well seems to be justified. So yeah, of course, if it, there's nothing to say that you're you can't cover up as much as you want to. Um, Sister Hannah, would you like to um, add to that now that you're back? Sorry, I just, I was trying to go through the comments and I ended up, uh, and I hope I don't end up doing the same thing because I'm trying to go up to the comments. Um, give me a moment, I'll just go straight right up to the top yeah okay that's fine yeah so yes um yeah thank you jane for that comment um i think she was meant to say to non-maharam so if they should not show their bosoms or on ornaments to the non-maharam was meant okay so yeah so non-maharam so those are the people that you know are not related to us or uh the maharam person is the person we can't marry and they can look after us um and then she carries on and says in any case um, hijab is not just a head cover, but also about mannerism. So yes, thank you for that comment. So that's about the modesty that we were talking about. Um, and that is, um, you know, part of what the ayah is referring to. Um, revealing bosoms is, not, is generally not done right. Okay, so I don't get that one. Maybe you mean not revealing bosoms or how people cover is, not, is generally not done right. So again, that is a comment that, um, that's something that you know is variable. How people interpret the the ayah and how people actually practice uh, covering and modesty in in reality is variable, and it will vary from person to person. And Sister Aisha has said, and uh, we have to remember the intention behind it for our sisters, for our women folk, and we should look into the hadith and sunnah on how uh, the people during the time of the Prophet did it for guidance. Um, so, uh, Sister Ikram, oh, Rasha, Rasha, yeah. Rasha says, Islam honors women so much more than anything else. Yes, alhamdulillah. And part of our honor is actually in the dressing, as Sister Aisha has said. Sister Ikram has said, very nice as well. And she says, yes, Sister Aisha is right. <laughs> Modesty runs through all aspects of our religion, mashallah. So, yes, this is a very important bit. And remember, it's not, we're talking about female issues here, uh, alhamdulillah, but it's also something that is important for the males as well. Women acting upon what Allah has instructed us to do, okay, protects us and also protects our men folk. And we remember from the first ayah that Sister Amna read of chapter four, ayah one, that um, the job of um of the sexes and the responsibilities of the sexes are interchangeable you know the men have a duty and they need to revere the fact that you know it is through the women that they get a lot of benefit their parentage and by which their lineage is continued um, as well as the fact that the women as well have a duty and with the support of the men you know they are able to ex um 
perform that duty. Um, so yes, Jane, just finishing off the comments for now so we can move on. Jane has said, chastity and dignity for women and men has always been important in Islam. Definitely. Remember that Islam is not an individual religion. Okay, we are an ummah, we are a community, we are families. Okay, and it's by t sticking together and doing things together. That's what Allah wants to see from us. And that is how we'll be successful, Biramatullah, in this world and the hereafter. Um, Rasha, oh yeah, walaikum salam, thank you. Um, and Jane rounds off, uh, mahram and non-mahram too, should we not always be modest? Well, it depends on the, we should always be modest, yes. Um, in the home, you are modest. You shouldn't be revealing all that. So thank you for clarifying. Yes, so we, we won't deliberately undress because we are living with our brother or our father. We have to be decent in, 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 in front of each other. But I think we were talking about the ayah and the ayah 32 says they should not expose their beauty, ornaments or da-da-da-da to, and you have the long list of people. So the ayah we were referring to was being specific of the non-Maharam um, um, men and those conditions. Um, and may Allah make it easy for us. We're gonna re move on to other reads now. So we've been talking about Quran this whole time and the commentaries related to that. We're going to be moving on to other books, uh, magazine pamphlets that could be recommended for us to uh, discuss female issues. Uh, Amna, do you want to start off? Yeah, so, um We've got quite a few books to get through, I think, today. Um, so I won't take up too much time going through um, the ones that I've, I've found. So um, that is The Crowning Venture, which is um, meant to be like inspiration from women who have memorised the Quran. And it was actually written by a Hafiza. So um, it's got obviously her own experience of um, memorising the Quran. And um, it talks of, of other women as well and the different circumstances we are all in in our in our lives, um, and how they overcame them issues, and just from what I understand, it's just quite real about the issues. Um, there's none of that sugar coating, but it's also written in a not in a preach preachy manner from the re reviews that I've read. So um, it's quite an easy read um, of about a hundred uh, hundred and fifty six pages. Um, I'll quickly read the descriptions, quite short. So if you've ever memorised, um, sorry, if you've ever cited wistfully upon hearing um, of someone memorising the Qur'an, wishing it was something you could do to then prepare to replace that wistfulness with determination. Filled with inspirational stories for your heart, for your heart and memorisation techniques for your mind, the crowning venture reminds us that memorising the Quran is not an achievement to be conquered. It's a journey to savor, a journey you can make. And I, I like how that's mentioned at the end that, that it's not just an achievement that you can conquer, but a, it's a journey. Um, and just like reading the Quran itself, it is a journey and it des it describes a journey um, for us Muslims and how it was revealed. So obviously memorizing it in itself would be a journey. Um, so that's quite a, um, I think, inspirational read I would say um by um Muslims um by Muslim women so I think that's definitely one that we should um have a read of um just bear with me I'm just getting my list up here um so another read I've got is um Al-Muhadith Al sorry Al-Muhadithat 
sorry, I can't pronounce that, the Women Scholars in Islam. Um, so that's another read um, by Muhammad Akram Nadwi, um, published um, in Oxford. So I'll just briefly go over the um, contents there. So it covers um, women's authorities um, established by their own actions in Quran and Sunnah, um, legal co um, conditions for narrating hadith, um, women as seekers and students of hadith, um, occasions, travels, venues for and kinds of hadith learning, um, women teachers, the reading, um, women's roles in diffusion of the knowledge. So it covers a lot in terms of um, women seeking to, um, you know, research and narrate hadith as well as the legal aspect of it. Um, and it does also give an overview by period and region. So you're looking at the history of women as well, as well as the different um, regions. It covers um, Iraq, um, Egypt, Spain, Morocco, Syria um, and India. So it covers quite a fair bit and it, it talks about um, Fiqh and Amal. Um, and again, it's heavily referenced as well. It is also available um, as a free PDF. So um I don't know if we could possibly um, get these linked in the description at all after the show, perhaps, and um, see if that can be done at all. But it is um, it is available to purchase as well. But of course, it, um, you can get that on online. So it's written by Muhammad Akram Nadwi, um, and it's called Al Muhaddiyath, um, and that's the Women Scholars in Islam. Um, another good read um, would uh, would recommend is Islamic Fatwa regarding women. Um, so that's compiled by Muhammad bin Abdul Aziz Al Musnad and translated by Jamal Al Din Zarabozo. Um, that's a Dar es Salaam publication, um, and it covers different different topics and. Um, I'll just get the contents up just to give an example. So you've got questions related to um, Aqidah, so from um, posing questions to fortune tellers, crying due illness, women visiting graves, um, purity, celebrating Mother's Day. So it's got quite a range um, of um, questions there that it covers. Um, and then you've got questions related to knowledge, so women um, seeking knowledge, students standard, standing for their teachers, um, and female teachers for boys, questions related to physical purification, um, and that covers a vast range again from a baby's vomit and clothing, um, and does a woman have to wipe her head, um, and leftover food in one's teeth, so it's, it's, it covers different, um, like a great range of different um, purification there, um, and then of course menstruation and postpartum bleeding is covered, um, and then it's got questions relating to prayer, relating to funeral, um, zakat, fasting, hajj and umrah, as well as um, sacrifice, um, marriage, um, relations between the spouses. So yeah, I, I could go on because the content is actually very long. Um, I believe it's um, almost 400 pages. So again, it covers... Um, it covers a lot of questions, but also it provides evidence with it, which is why I would recommend it. And also it um, debunks any misunderstandings as well. So there's, I believe, um, there's that misunderstanding about women being on their periods and not being able to recite the Quran, which of course is 
um, permitted. However, there's there's this misunderstanding with some um, references, which is cleared up um, in in this book, which is why I would um, definitely recommend that book. And I'll just remind you that the book is called Islamic Fatwa Regarding Women. You can purchase it, or again, you can just Google um, the name Islamic Fatwa Regarding Women um, by Muhammad bin Abdul Aziz, um, and that will come up as a PDF. So yeah, um, that's that's the three books that I've, um, actually there's one more, it's a novel, sorry, um, and it's called Aisha At Last. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if any of our listeners have heard of that, it's quite a popular novel. Um, and it's basically covering, um, you know, the the struggles of a, of a young Muslim who um, is looking to get married um, in the Islamic um, manner. So it's nothing... In the book itself, it's there's nothing that's um, it goes against Islam or our teachings in how to meet us, um, your potential spouse, and um, it's got humour but permissible humour in it. So um, it's definitely one to check out. I believe it is available on Amazon. I'll just get that up um, and see how much it retails for. So that is um a paperback is on sale at the moment for 6.99 otherwise it is 8.99 so it's under 10 pounds um so it's a bit more of a lighthearted um read that of 352 pages um and the i'll just read you a bit of the um the synopsis there so Aisha might be a little lonely but the one thing she doesn't want is an arranged marriage and then she meets Khalid. How can a man so conservative and judgmental and, yes, smart and annoyingly handsome have wormed his way into her thoughts so quickly? As for Khalid, he's happy the way he is. His mother will find him a suitable bride. But why can't he get the captivating, outspoken Aisha out of his mind? They're far too different to be a good good match, surely. So it's got loads of good reviews um, and it's compared to like the Muslim Pride and Prejudice. So um, if anyone has read um, the Pride and Prejudice, then you'll have an idea of what kind of read that is. But yeah, it is, I would say it's definitely suitable for um, especially teenagers onwards to be reading that and to it's, a, it's quite a relatable read I think as well for many Muslims in, in this day and age um, so that is my recommendations there um, I've got comments um, by Jane um, over there saying Mudadin or Mud, yeah it's um, I'll just get get that up for you and just clarify so it is um al muhadithat yeah that's it <laughs> yeah okay al muhadithat so yes <clears throat> it's the second one jane al muhadithat so the women scholars in islam and i think <laughs> i think our audience can see that the the bigger reader here amongst us presenters is Amna because all the books she's recommended are in the region of three to 400 pages. And of course, <laughs> that means you have a lot to read, a lot of homework, but you know, Alhamdulillah, some of these books, I have to say, you don't necessarily have to read them from cover to cover. So like the book of fatwas, you may find it as a reference book. And again, Jane has said that, um, you know, she has the book of fatwas is really good. So it's it for some people, um, when we recommend books on the show, you have to know it's not necessarily something you have to do from cover to cover. What we encourage to read cover to cover is definitely Quran. And then you move on to other books and you try and read 
in a manner that you will get the knowledge and information as is applicable and practical for you. So yes, when you look at Ikram's comment there, um, wait, still one book. <laughs> Thank, thanks, Amna. You know, it's um, it's a lot. And Alhamdulillah, we can see uh, definitely all the audience here are people who love reading. So yeah, we've had some heavy books and some um, novels, fiction books from uh, Amna related to female issues, ranging from marriage, studying and learning Quran and memorizing, memorizing Quran. And um, and I think that's great for lighter reading and for teaching others and for learning. I think that's where our guest Aisha will come in. Um, I'll now definitely be rec recommending one of her books. Um, she's the author of Yafari. And um, I'll just quickly summarize what that says. It says, it's a powerful journey into the life of Tenny, a young girl born in the Asian cultures of Northern Nigeria. Um, so it is very much a contemporary book, but the culture itself is long-standing. Now, this does not treat the girl child as favorably as it treats the boy child. And I think most of us in um, from or who have observed um, Arab, um, African, Asian cultures, and even in other bits of the world, will find that this is not uncommon, that the male child is treated different from the female child. So as the first child, um, you know, she carries an unusual burden. She's born into a tradition which makes her, her a familiar stranger to her own parents. And then this tradition unlocks Tenny out of the care of her parents and she's left at the mercy of her grandparents. Um, Tenny picks up life through the dark and thorny, thorny patch, patch of um, path of tradition at crosswords with itself and at odds with modernity. So this Yafari book, and I'll spell it, is spelt, um, I don't know if our, producer can type that into the commentary is spelled Y for Yo-Yo, A for Alpha, R for Romeo, and then you get a hyphen and it's F for Freddy, A for Alpha, R for Romeo, I for Indigo. So it's Yafari. Okay, so it has that witty dialogue, uh, memorable characterizations and an engaging plot, and it uses vibrant descriptions and a combination of rustic yet enchanting scenery and the grandeur of local and international metropolis to capture the headstrong struggle of a girl who refuses to settle into the role and position the society of her birth enthrones on her. Instead, um, Tenny chases her dreams with all that she has, and this novel is a dramatic voyage into the victories and failures of a cultural icon icon iconoclast as she rises to the apex of the mountain of her dreams. Um, so this book is a must read. Um, and it, for me, I read it and it held me captive. And I think the best is to just hand over to Aisha uh, for her to comment on the other books and tell us a bit more about um, her journey of writing this book and what she thinks uh, has been the outcome so far, Sister Aisha. Asalaamu Alaikum Warahmatullah. Um, the books that have been uh, presented so far tend to create innovative dimensions to the to the female identity, especially the Muslim female, all over the globe. And uh, you see, reading is very interesting because through reading we discover we learn so much to complement what we what we read in the Quran and the Hadith and the. Uh, we learn a lot about social realities, about life, and about the experiences of females out there. Sometimes we tend to find ourselves in these characters we read in these books because we see characters who have similar experiences to us and we identify with them. In, in, in line with that, I will talk a little bit about Erpari, my book. The title Erpari means first daughter. 
in Hausa language. And uh, there is this tradition, first child tradition in, in, in among the Fulanese in Northern Nigeria, where the parents are not expected to relate in any way with their first child, whether male or female, because the tradition says that that first child is like uh, an evidence of their loss of innocence. So they should have a kind of a, a kindness about that first child. But at the end of the day, what, what touches me is that I've had contact with students and neighbors where I see that tradition actually destroying the first child rather than making the first child. Because at the end of the day, the first child becomes the responsibility of the society rather than the parents. And when you, of the extended family, and when you say you are, you, you are left at the mercy of the extended family, more or less you're actually left at the mercy of nobody. You just exist in the extended family. So in tennis situation, my major focus here is actually the Muslima, the Muslim female, the girl child. And uh, in my researches in Northern Nigeria have shown that the girl child in Northern Nigeria faces a lot of challenges, sociocultural, subjugation, patriarchy, then culture. But there is a problem here that I try to really identify in the, in the book, which is the adulteration of culture and religion. So much so that the patriarchal norms in Northern Nigeria tend to want to make the woman to believe that the, 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 the traditional uh, subjugation against her are religious. And you know, as a, an average Muslim, once you are told that this thing is religious, you just accept it and without complaint and you, you, you go ahead. But some of, not, meanwhile, some of these things are just tradition, culture embedded and rather than religion. So that is where the issue of education comes in here. Because the need to learn, not just Western culture, but uh, Islamic education specifically, helps you to gain the knowledge to be able to know what is Islam and what is not. That this young girl, we, 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 the character we have here, Teni, being a first daughter, was left at the mercy of her grandparents in the village while her parents lived in the city. Being left at the, at the mercy of the grandparents, she was not even taught household how to run a household. She was not brought up domestically properly. She was made to go out to take animals for grazing and things like that. Right from a very tender age, she admired the young children she see go, going to school, but she had no opportunity to. And just when she wrote a letter to the father to come and take her to the city, the father had promised to take her to the city and put her in school. Since his other children that he eventually had in the city are now going to school, haven't seen the importance of education himself. But it was too late when the father eventually came, the grandparent had already fixed a wedding for her daughter. The question you ask here, why would they fix a wedding for the child without the father's knowledge? Because she's a child of the extended family, not of the parents, being a first child. So they have the sole right to take decisions concerning her without consulting the father. They didn't consult the father. The father had cattle in the village that they could just take and sell and sponsor the wedding. So by the time the father came, the frenzy of the wedding ceremony was already in full force. So he couldn't do anything. He had to leave. Out of that disappointment, he didn't stay to attend the daughter's wedding. Tenny gave up at that stage and accepted and married this young man she never knew until he was introduced to her, but it was true. These are decisions where a situation where decisions concerning you as an individual, as a Muslim, is taken. 
without you having a say in it. Those are some of the issues. So, and the mother, this trained relationship between parents and children. So the book is about education, first of all, the girl-child relationship between child, childhood and parenthood, then religion and culture. So the book, so when eventually the mother summoned courage to secretly visit Tenny after her wedding, she asked the mother, the mother asked her, hello, page 64, say, how are you happy in your marriage? The mother asked. After a silent hesitation, Tenny responded, I don't know. How do you mean you don't know? Asked the mother. I don't know what I think, how I feel about myself and the life around me. I, I just exist. That's it. Tenny stammered. So that issue of just existing, it means you have no identity, you have no ambition, your ambitions are dead, your personality is just there, you're not even conscious of who you are, you are just there, you just live by the day, you see daybreak, you see evening and all that. But in spite of all this one, Tenny held on tightly to her religion, to her Islamic tenets and practice. She was a good Muslim and she accepted whatever came her way as other from Allah. So as Muslims, as, as Muslim females, we, we, we should handle life realistically and adhere to the tenets of Islam. Accept what comes our way. Yes, we should struggle. Yes, we should be able to, we should seize opportunities to, we should grab opportunities and do something good with our lives. But at the same time, not at the detriment of our belief and faith and obedience to Allah. So when the mother eventually talked to her, she now told the mother, I don't know why you are here. The mother now explained to her that what befell Tenny befell her too when she was getting when she was married off to Tenny's father. So it becomes a trend that is continuous. So this book is like a, a breakage, a voice that tends to want to break that jinx of uh determining a female a, a child's future without the child having a say, without taking into consideration the interest of the child. And you could see towards the end of the book, eventually when the husband died. The, the Tenny had a second chance at life. And she took it and she ran with it. Even when they were suggested that she remarried because of her set of twins, she said she didn't openly, radically antagonize the suggestion, but she said, I need a break. I need, that, I need to go to my father in the city and take some time off, then I can make my decision. That is, Islam comes in there. For example, your parents can have a say in your first marriage. That is what Islam recommends. But in the second marriage as a divorcee or a widow, in your second marriage, it is solely your decision as a female. So all this knowledge, when I, 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 the book serves as a kind of advocacy to females to know what they should do and what they shouldn't do or what is their right and what is not their right. So she obediently refused the suggestion and took her escape from Kwane village to the city to meet her father. There, again, that brings us to the issue of, uh, when we talk about uh, feminism, no. We're talking about the African context here. The man is not an enemy. All the male characters created in this text, none of them was an antagonist. That is because there is a complementarity in relationship between the male and the female in the society. Just the way Islam has recommended, you as a female, you respect and acknowledge the males in your lives, your father, your brothers, your husband, and the likes of them. Just the way they should respect and acknowledge you as a female and treat you with reverence as recommended by Islam and the Quran. So she was, she had a very good understanding with her father that she got her father's support to see her through school and eventually she became a medical doctor. 
a medical doctor that graduated top of her class. The, 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 the rhetorics here is that if she never had that opportunity, the world would not have had the opportunity to benefit from the intellect that is potent in that character technique. So that females should be given opportunity to realize their potentials and contribute to society is the core of this book, Air Party. The book is it's not yet on Amazon. We are still working on it, but it's available in the UK with uh, Sister Aya Shams in Aylesbury. It is £10, including the postage. So it's it's there, but we are working on the, the Amazon thing. It will be on Amazon, but it's not yet there. Salam alaikum. Sister Aisha. In fact, you know, you going through the book brings tears to my eyes um, because I did shed quite a few tears while I was reading the book. I bought my copy last year, I believe. And, you know, alhamdulillah, it is a profound book. It is very short, um, I think. It's only about 140 pages. Yeah, let me see. 100 and, yeah. 137 pages but i mean it covers so many issues that the female is facing in islam and i definitely agree with all your comments there that it is the knowledge it is the manner it is the fact that she can maintain her modesty and the trials i mean i look now at my situation and i look at other situations a lot of people especially the young women when they come into islam the next thing they're talking about is marriage, 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 marriage. I want to get married. I'm with it. It's good with it. But um, you have to remember, if the knowledge is not there, it can be a very uh, rocky road. And so it's not just about being of age and having desires. It is also about you having understanding of the way we should grow and uh, behave in ourselves to achieve our goals in this dunya for the Akira, but also in our relationships with others, including the potential spouse or our spouses. And you can see the comments flooding in there um, from, from the audience. Um, I don't want to get myself out of the studio like before. I'll just see if I can scroll. Oh, thank you, Rueda. So yeah, Racha says it's so rich. I'm sure um, any problems will find answers in Quran and Sunnah. Yes, definitely. I think no matter what we're going through as sisters, as women, as Sister Aisha said, we have to keep at it. You know, continue to seek Allah's input in your lives and in whatever you do. Continue your five days in salah. And that's what we saw in this novel, uh, Yafari. Despite everything, and as young as Tenny was, she was pretty much a child bride, but she continued her salah and she listened. She listened to her mother. When her mother came around, even though she was so upset, the fact that her mother came around and told her and gave her advice that try, and if your husband is pleased with you, your life will be better to some degree. I mean, he wasn't, um, as Sister Aisha said, there were not any villains in the men. And in fact, I did listen to one of the interviews done by Sister Aisha, and people were asking, how can you call the father of this girl a hero? Um, but again, it's about modesty and how you navigate uh, the politics of, uh, of, of you know, the environment and the challenge you're facing at that time. So Jazakallah Khair and Rasha for that. Um, yeah, Jane says, books do serve as a reference and resource. We should continue to build our libraries of knowledge. And yes, we've talked about how you can build Quranic knowledge. Yeah, I, I have listened to Sister uh, Dr. Mayan speak, the author of the, the, the book, um, 
um, I have to bring it up now, um, a memorization of the Quran. It's never too late. Some of those sisters finish memorizing, memorizing their Quran at the age of 50, some at the age of 60. It is a journey that we continue to seek knowledge and Allah make it easy for us. Um, Jane also says fiction stories are good for teens. Well, yes, they can be, but you have to remember it applies to all of us. Um, I'm sure when Sister Aisha wrote this book, she wasn't targeting teens. Um, and it was because of what she had observed as well um, in older women. And she is, um, based on her background, she is a, a lecturer. She is a doctor and a lecturer in the university as well. So she sees young people and older people. And it was because of observing that she wanted, she wrote this book as well. So it's not just for teens. And you have to remember, we are meant to learn the deen from Quran and Hadith. And what is Hadith? Hadith is the stories, the stories of the teachings and the practices of the Prophet, peace be upon him. So yes, so stories are not just for teens and it may be fiction, but Muslim fiction is a way of communicating the message. It's just a different way of communicating the message. Uh, another comment there from Ikram, um, that's why education and reading for yourself is very important. Yes, definitely. Aisha said it that, um, the problem Tenny faced was that people told her that this was what she needed to do, this is what she had to do, this is what Islam wanted of her, um, and yeah, that wasn't it. Um, Alhamdulillah. Uh, Sister Amna, do you want to quickly go over a few more comments before we hand back for uh, to Sister Aisha? Yes, we've got one from Jane here. Sometimes it takes a long time to know that one mind, especially a young person with no support. Absolutely, and I think that's what... Um, We've got more. The matron has more right to herself than that's from Hadith. But that's what it goes back to. Really, it is um, always referring back to the Quran and Sunnah. Um, I think definitely. But um, yeah, I've got any more comments there. Um, sh uh, I totally agree with Sister Aisha. Returning everything to religion relieves a lot and gives self confidence to go on. Absolutely. Um, I think Sister Aisha has hit the nail on the head there. And Sister Ikram's commented, education is vital, knowing your religion, knowing your rights and knowing yourself. Um, you must have knowledge of yourself before marriage. Absolutely. I think that's something, I think it, it goes for everyone really, you should definitely be confident in yourself and know your rights, know, like Sister Ikram said, um, about your religion um, and who you are. And education and educating yourself and reading Quran um, hadiths as part of that, as well as these other books that we have mentioned. Of course, Quran is most important, but these books serve as um, com complementary in a sense, um, and it just further guides us. Um, which, not to take away from the Quran, of course, Quran um, guides us perfectly. But what I'm trying to get at is there are other aspects a bit more that can kind of fine-tune that in a sense um, and we have got um, Jane commenting there sure as long as it's beneficial read it absolutely um, but it's important to of course do your own research as well what I like to do is read reviews to make sure that there's nothing in there that is going to end up me wasting my time in the sense that it's you know it's misunderstood something or it's um, neglecting any part of our religion, so anything that kind of goes against the Quran or um, opposes it. So it's definitely important, I'd say, to also, when educating yourself, to also look at what is being said and to look at the author as well. What, um, like, how have they got qualifications in this certain area? Like, 
before Anna mentioned a book um, written um, about um, the um, um, Grand Hafidas. Um, you, it was written by one herself. She had memorized the Quran, so it's written by someone's their personal perspective. She's also a um, a, a, doct a doctor as well. So you know she she is qualified in what she was um, like writing about as well in a sense. So she, so it's I think it's definitely important to you know look at um, beyond just the the book itself to look at the reviews to look at the context as well. Um, I'll. I'll pass on to Sister Aisha there if you want to add anything and then we'll perhaps talk about any podcasts or websites or um, any apps at all, perhaps. Sister Aisha? Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Just a, a kind of wrap, uh, I just want to say uh, a word of encouragement to every Muslim female out there, Ramadan Karim, may Allah give us the benefit of the month, I mean, he accepted Ibadah. As Muslim females, we have a duty to uphold Islam and, dig and our dignity, through our dignity and how we act, what we do, and how we relate with people because people see Islam through us and there is need, it is, it is compulsory for us to display a good image of Islam through what we do, how we dress, the people we relate with and how we relate, then we cannot afford not to be good in the things we do. Whatever uh, field of endeavor we embark on, we should try as much as possible, put in our best and uh, supplicate for Allah's barakah so that we shine on top of anything we do. And that makes us, uh, uh, that also makes Islam to shine and it's our responsibility. May Allah help us and may he continue to guide and protect us and increase us in knowledge. Assalamu alaikum. Aisha, um, for that. Um, just before we end the show, um, I do want to quickly mention. Um, I forgot to also mention um, with regarding books around women. Um, we do have quite a few um, feminist authors. I don't think I mentioned any today, but just a note to our listeners that um, be please be wary with them because a lot of these feminist authors in the Western world they are seen as scholars. Um, however, Islamically, they're not scholars. Um, there's a different process in obtaining that title. So just bear that in mind. Um, so of, and of course, the, the, the different ideologies can, of course, um, clash as well and can um, misunderstand um, the religion. So just bear that in mind when researching books. Um, but I'll quickly mention a few podcasts. So um, we've got Unsweetened and Unfiltered. Uh, which is um, a podcast by a Palestinian American who covers lots of different issues from divorce um, to like um, sexual health as well, um, parenting and personal journeys as well. It covers a range of different um, issues that women face in this day and age. Um, and she often has um, female guests um, who are expertise in the field. Um, so I would definitely recommend that podcast and I've recommended before as well um, the Mindful Muslimer Speaks um, um, podcast which is um, again she's um, an American Muslim um, and she talks about lots of different is um, issues and suggestions for parenting as well um, and um, staying connected to Allah um, and 
a lot of different she, she covers a lot basically um so definitely check them out you can i believe on for free on google podcasts um so just to reiterate so that's mindful muslima speaks podcast as well as the unfil- unsweetened and unfiltered podcasts um sister hanat did you want to round up there Yes, inshallah, alhamdulillah. Um, I'd like to say jazakumullah khairan to Aisha for coming on the show. I think it's been really, really um, insightful, profound for some, and for those people that have read the book, I have read the book, I think Ikram have read the book. Um, We found that book very interesting, but also your comments and guidance with regards to other books and the Quran and the readings that we've had today. Um, I agree with Amna, you do need to fact check, you do need to check who's um, the background of the person who has written a book uh, and ensure that it is they are credible and ensure that what you're reading is authentic. Um, uh, we've had quite a few comments on how to obtain the book and things like that. And um, so our producer has put Dr. Aisha's number and message there. She's happy to be contacted via WhatsApp. Um, so do get in touch via WhatsApp and she'll tell you I'll advise you how to obtain the book. If you're in the UK, if you're in the US, she'll give you some advice on how to obtain the book. So feel free to uh, WhatsApp Aisha um, if you wanted that. Um, There's also honesty talk suggested by Ikram um, when we're talking about websites, podcasts, you know, uh, webinars. Um, Yeah, honesty talk is by Alia, um, Layinka and Ooh, I, I'm not sure if she's Rukoya, but yeah, they they um, they do uh, um, shows, and I think they're in the third or fourth season actually, um, related to female issues and and they contemporary issues, and they actually have a discussion about it and related to the Quran and Sunnah. So I think that's something to enjoy. Um, but yeah, this show is about reads, <laughs> and we talk about uh, books and other sources of knowledge. So yes, definitely, we we are happy to recommend that, which will be beneficial to our audience. And may Allah make it easy for all of us. May Allah answer all our dua. Jazakumullah khairan to Sister Aisha and all the dua she has made for all of us. Um, we have, after this, only one show, which is tomorrow, where we'll be moving forward on from Islam. Only one show left for this Ramadan, and it's titled Etiquettes of Living. And is really to summarize what we've gained from Ramadan and what we should be doing after Ramadan. So alhamdulillah, may Allah accept this show from us all. May Allah accept the effort of Sister Aisha coming on the show. And may Allah accept all of you, the audience, who have been wonderful in your comments. Please keep sharing recordings of the show for anybody who you feel will benefit. Mashallah, we do live in an era that all this is easily accessible to us. However, it is our duty to make sure that we are careful um, and we, we make conscious decisions, informed decisions on what we read and pay attention to. Jazakumullah khairan. Um, remember that this is a read show and you've been listening to it on Newcastle Fast FM. Sponsored by Manjaro's Newcastle, Hill Matheson, and HM Residential. Inshallah, we hope to see you again for our final show tomorrow. But until then, Jazakumullah Heron again. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh.